How's it going, everybody? How are we doing? Welcome to Pirate Utopia Podcast. <clears throat> I'm Aaron Benavides. We got the homie Jesse over here, Jesse Berger. What's up? Welcome back to Pirate Utopia Part 14. Uh, we're stoked to have our friend Chris. Is it Caballero? How do we say this? Caballero. Chris Caballero. Oh, you see, it's... Uh... It, yes, but yes, Caballero is an awesome, <laughs> awesome pronunciation. Thank you. Pardon my like super white dude pronunciation on that. <laughs> oh, you good. You good. <laughs> it's the world we exist in. Yeah, so a uh, little intro. So I met Chris um, a few uh, a few years back now uh, at a, a tea house that he was running here in Austin. And we kind of just stayed in touch. And uh, yeah, we've collaborated on a bunch of things, a few uh, events uh, we did actually I think it was yeah it was like the first touch collective event and the touch collective was a uh, was a yeah. an art collective it's still sort of running now but yeah there was an art collective and we were doing an event called fuzz and we ended up doing it at the tea house that Chris had started and uh, yeah so that's how I met him and Chris is actually way more tea is a huge part correct but there's like so many layers to Chris. He's he's lived like several lives already. So I'll, I'll be excited to be getting into that. But um, yeah, yeah, thank so, you very much, my friend. What was that? Said heck yeah, thank you much. Absolutely. So yeah, let's start out a little bit. You know, we kind of me and uh, Jesse always kind of start out when we talk a little bit about discussing kind of things in crypto are our, our kind of crypto journey but uh, i'm kind of curious chris what uh what do you know about do you have any questions about crypto what is your involvement have you ever heard about it and like what's your like do you have any interest in it at all actually yes i do have some interest in it i'm rather new on the subject i know a lot of my buddies and uh, a lot of my uh investor friends and all that are really deep into it and for whatever reason i stayed out of the conversation most of the time uh so yeah i'm definitely interested uh in learning more about it but i am i am familiar with you know systems and and stuff and investment and how that goes so uh really interested to learn a little bit more from y'all and then be able to add to it so yeah. here's a start off with that so like i may be more of a layman in this category right uh but so cryptocurrency right there's like different ways that you have like a wallet or so in cryptocurrency right i've heard mm -hmm. right maybe things like robin hood or coinbase i'm guessing i'm not sure if that's quite the same as like using something like stash or like a cpa so can you explain like real quick in like a minute or two like what the difference between all of that is and like maybe a little bit of how that works. Yeah, you want to go, Jesse? Sure. Um, okay, so there are there's mobile crypto wallets, for sure. Uh, MetaMask is a wallet that I use regularly. And that will allow you to sync up to any exchange or send uh, value to any other wallet or exchange. Coinbase is actually an exchange. They it's not a wallet. They own your private keys and they own your crypto. So if you do something illegal and they lock you out of it on your Coinbase account, you're locked out. But on a 
individual MetaMask wallet that's all decentralized. That's the whole point of this. So yes, Robinhood and Coinbase are very similar. They're both apps that give you access to exchanges. Um, I would encourage people to explore independent decentralized wallets like MetaMask or Atomic Wallet. Awesome. Yeah. I, it, it seems like from my understanding, like I would kind of put it as kind of a still a noob, uh, like the wallets are kind of like your bank account, essentially, it would be like, you know, you log into your chase account, and then you can monitor all the money and you might have like a loan or you might have this or that, or like, maybe even closer to like Charles Schwab, because Charles Schwab is an investment thing, but they also have like a checking account. So you can monitor not only your brokerage account, which would have whatever investments you have, but it would also have, you know, like, you know, see uh, your CDs or like Roth IRAs and stuff, and then also your bank account money and stuff like that. But yeah, so they have different exchanges, which will allow you to connect with other people to trade currencies. And there is sort of a wallet on there, but when your money's on the exchange, it's on the exchange. And so at the end of the day, when you want to cash out, you got to take your money from the exchange and store it somewhere. So then you, that's where you would have like a wallet. And so you can leave your stuff on there. Like I've left stuff on Coinbase and it just kind of, you know, which is, there's a thing we can get into later, but there's a thing called staking, which can, um, which helps the exchange work. And it can be a form of passive income depending on what you want to do. So you can leave your money on there, but it's definitely the safest bet. Like from like what Jesse said to take it off and get a decentralized wallet that you it's like, it's basically all contained on your computer. There's no one else who can access it. It's all encrypted and it just stays there. And as long as you don't, let anyone else in it's basically as safe as can be you know it's even better than that though it's not even on your computer it's on a decentralized network you can access it from any device oh. any laptop any phone you can get into your metamask wallet on anybody's device so it's it's pretty it's pretty cool once you really start to see um uh, how freeing it is and how different it is than the current system that we use to send value to each other and how we exchange it. But um, I, I'm curious, like, because I have another friend who uh, is also interested and he's getting started and has asked to kind of like come over to the house and like get, you know, like I just ask basic questions, get yes. some, get some, <laughs> you know, some some basic things going. Like, so like, what are your goals with it? I guess it'd be my first question. Really, the goals with it aren't as clear as uh, I would like them to be for myself. But I do have I do have one question that helps me get to that answer pretty quickly, and I think this is something that maybe uh, people listening can relate to as well. Mm -hmm. Say I have some cryptocurrency. Say I invest in some cryptocurrency, and it's going well for me, and I'm gaining value in whatever forms of value it provides how am i using cryptocurrency how does that come out of the the cloud idea world and how does it how does it manifest into is it is there like a lot of good trade for service is there trade for value is there trade for product is there what's what's going like that and like you know how do you use it personally if if that doesn't you know ask too much from you uh that's a good question um so personally, I use it and 
trade it, which is not necessarily something I would encourage a super beginner to do. Um, you know, in a in a trading session, if I'm really being like a high frequency trader, I might make 10, 20 trades in one day. And that's like moving, um, you know, a stack that's large enough where even a small percentage, three to 5% is a sizable enough gain that I'm realizing, okay, that's my day's work. I'm going to cash that out and literally cash that out to us dollars, that gain. And I can send that to my bank account, to my PayPal account, to a number of different options from there. But depending on when you sell your digital asset, much like a stock, very similar to somebody that trades right. stock on a daily basis. Um, but there's a, another thing, because I think like what really got me excited about it was because I, I've definitely known about Bitcoin, you know, for a, for a while now, six, seven years. And I think similar to you, it was always kind of like, that's cool. I'm going to wait until there's the really usable thing. And what's excited me the most uh, lately, besides, you know, a general fear of where our economy is going and uh, learning about kind of how our dollar bill is in, is there are some, there are some dangers in, in having a lot of dollars um, is that there's been this new movement over, basically it exploded over 2020 called the DeFi movement. And it what stands for decentralized finance. And what's really exciting about it is that they're basically creating a new kind of internet. People are calling it like internet 3.0. And uh, and they're creating essentially decentralized apps. So they're creating versions of all of the biggest apps that we kind of have. You know, people are working on a social network, but what's really exciting is that there are like lending apps where you could go in, say, if you want to take a loan out, and uh, it's totally decentralized. Basically, you just take as much as you can. Like, say, you have a certain amount of money, like for like a down payment instead of a down payment, what you would do is you'd mm -hmm. buy some sort of crypto and you would put it in a, in a pool and it would basically sit there as collateral. And so then that collateral would um, allow you to, to borrow up to a certain amount of another cryptocurrency. So say you want to borrow like, you know, USD coin so that you can turn it into dollars or whatever and buy a car. Um, you would put in whatever the amount of crypt uh, of Bitcoin that is necessary to borrow that much and you could just stake it and there's no questions asked it's just like all of it is on the blockchain there's no person there to say like well let's what's your credit rating and you know do you have a job and this and that it's basically like if you have the amount the right collateral you can borrow whatever else is there and so to me and that's just one app but there are a ton of different ones that are popping up and it's like if this takes off in the right kind of way we could potentially put banks out of business. You know, I don't think that'll actually happen, but I think it's a step in the direction of taking the power away from the banks. Cause I don't know, to me, it's like ever since 2008 and you start to learn about how all of that actually went down and how the banks basically destroyed the economy and then got paid for it. <laughs> you know, it's like, I've been pretty anti-bank since then. And, you know, I've been trying to keep my money in, um, uh, what do you call them? The like Randall uh, federal uh, credit unions. I've been keeping my money in like credit unions and stuff. And so credit now unions. I've been learning about crypto and it's finally getting to a point where it's secure enough, like things like Coinbase and Binance and things like that. 
you can trust that they're not just going to like get hacked or rip your money off. Like there's these institutions are big enough. And now there are starting to be actual apps that you can learn about. You know, like I said earlier, there are social, uh, there are social accounts, for instance, a big one that me and Jesse recommend for people is getting into brave browser, which, uh, although it still has some issues, like we haven't fully been able to cash out our, uh, our, our bat or the brave attention token, um, you basic they've created an ecosystem where just by using the internet and viewing ads, you actually make currency. And then you can use that currency to pay content creators or to buy ads and directly target people without invading their privacy. Like you don't have to know anything about them. You just know, oh, they're interested in shoes. Now I can send them ads about my shoe company and, it, and I don't need to know anything else about them. It's this totally uh, private network. And so that's one application that people can get into and actually use the crypto. And then eventually as BAT you know, increases in value and more people use it, you would be able to even cash out to a significant gain or whatever just by using your web browser and doing basic web browsing shit. Um, so yeah, so there's definitely a lot of a lot of applications that are really exciting in the space now. And that's, what's really getting me pumped about it. Awesome. Awesome. And yeah, understand a little bit more about that now. Good explanations. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, I, I'm curious though, because you are definitely someone who's no stranger to business and investing. Um, where would you say that you kind of got started in that? Like, getting interested in business and, and stuff? Hmm. The interest in business definitely started at a young age. Uh, my father was an engineer in many different things for many different companies, like all over the world. Um, a little bit into my start with tea, right? As, as he said before, I'm definitely into some tea, drinking some tea right now. Some blue snake, by the way, it's some really good shoe pour. Um, my father had some some business in China to do and it had to do with some microchip stuff so it was pretty cool he went over there and and uh when Mexico was moving a lot of their industrialization or whenever the companies that were working through Mexico to make things started moving all of their stuff to China then he was one of the people to take some of the machines over and and teach people how to use these machines to make these companies products so he said you're going to love China. It's great. It's super awesome. Uh, I think you'll like it. And with the tea, I'm sure it'll work out. And it did. It's a really good tea. It's really awesome. So uh, that's where it started for me. And then what, you know, what you got, I really enjoy many different forms of business. I've been involved with, um, I've been involved with restaurants, with management and restaurants, was a chef for a little while, been involved with uh, healthcare with my grandmother and nutrition and stuff. I've been involved with music production, both studio and live. I've been involved with all sorts of stuff, farming and building and really name it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, I, what were you going to say, Jesse? Oh, I just wanted to ask if the, is the tea a business for you right now or is it just a hobby? Um, well, hobby first or love first, I would say, but definitely have some business tied with it as well. Oh, cool. And that happens to be import and tea. There's a little tag here. 
if you see that. But yeah, it's importandtea.com. We do imports and tea, tea, clothing, teaware, electronics, whatever comes from another country. So sweet. Yes. Yeah, I, I feel like I've business. asked you this before. Like, so where did your love of tea come from? Like, can you point to like a like a moment or a, a thing where you were like, oh, this is dope. I want to learn more about this. Yes, exactly. A perfect time. Um, at a time in my life, my grandmother ended up um, having signs of Alzheimer's and whatever the correct ways to say all of those things are. They change over time, as I hear. Um, so it was very interesting. I took a side took a side route in life. Uh, I was, you know, working as a chef at, at a pretty, pretty awesome, highly acclaimed restaurant and had a recording studio and this ginormic, like ginormous geodesic hexadome recording <laughs> studio space off in the country. It was amazing, super awesome. But then grandmother needed help. So that's where I was going. So it, it went, my life turned from having somewhere to put all this energy to sitting with grandmother, which is awesome. And believe me, it does take a lot of energy to do that in certain situations, I found out now. Um, but the need to stay cognitively functional and awake while like more in a chill state, that's where tea came from. It's like, if I drink coffee and I can't run in circles and that's not like really what I wanna do, then what else is there, you know? So tea, that directly pointed to tea, Camellia sinensis. So my love for tea grew about 10, 12 years ago or so and has been growing ever since. And was that just kind of like your first tea was like what I assume most people think about tea, you know, like, oh, I'll just get a tea bag or something or like, I'll get some cool tea bags and maybe I'll get into loose leaf. I'll get a little tea ball or something like that. Is that kind of where you started and then you started learning about like, uh, Gong Fu Cha and all of that stuff? Well, I enjoyed tea and flavors, uh, you know, coming from the culinary world, like in tea bag forms, but um, not really as much. Something about the process of this tea thing known as Gong Fu Cha, right? We use these like little teapots and stuff, and we brew tea very quickly. We have these little tiny teacups. It's really awesome. It's really, really cool practice. And it looks like my internet connection has dropped. All right, back in. Yeah, you're still with us. Yeah, I've been seeing you there the whole time. Yeah. yeah, you're good. Cool, all right, now I can see you. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's this, it's this really cool process with these little tiny, cute little teacups and cute little teapots and such that I never knew were actually used. I thought it was just, you know, shelf decorations. You know, grandmother had like some and, I've seen them places and stuff. So I really liked the the particular process in Gong Fu Cha. Like it gave me something to do with my hands. And it was like, it was for me and it was for whoever I was serving with and whatnot. And, uh, and that was really good. And my first tea that I really enjoyed in doing this, and this style uses like loose leaf tea. Uh, one of my first teas was a gunpowder green. Yeah. It was really, really good for me. And then, you know, from there, darker roasted oolongs, like a charcoal roasted Guan Yin, right? Iron Goddess of Mercy. Really, really good stuff. But it, it went from there to what 
how many different kinds of teas and whether the uses for teas and medical applications and then tea houses and Chinese fun over in China, you know, uh, talking with talking with the people that literally grow this stuff and process this stuff. And uh, it's just, it's just amazing. It's awesome. So I've been to a couple, like, um, I think they're called like transformational festivals or something like that, but they're like, uh, how do I describe it? Basically a festival, but they don't sell alcohol and like you could bring your own alcohol, but mm -hmm. that's basically the main difference. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, it does make a difference that, that there's not like booths, like selling, you know, $12 Red Bull vodka at like four in the morning. Um, but there's a number of people that do similar type styles of tea, like in little tents. Have you ever done anything like that there? Like at festivals like that, or ever felt like called to do something like that? Definitely, definitely, definitely. One of the things that excited me about the idea of starting a tea house, especially in Austin, Austin, Texas, was the idea that there was young people that were into tea. And we found this out through going and serving tea at Symbiosis Festival in California. And this was the idea of a transformative festival, same, same. I think they had a little bit of alcohol sales at some point, or they allowed it in grounds or something like that. Yeah. But it wasn't like, it wasn't a heavy advertised, you know, there wasn't advertisements in your face. So they're then like maybe the food truck guy right there, which is fine because you want to know what they have to eat. So, you know, applicable stuff, but not, not like advertisement wonderland. So it was really, really cool to see people liking the tea. And I will add, um, I, I like beer. I like alcohol. I like the flavors. It's, we taste tea the same way that they, that they talk about sommeliers and liquor tasters tasting the same stuff. So it's a culinary, it's a culinary wonderland for me. So I enjoy alcohol at times in moderation, of course, just like anything else. But just like at this festival and like many other festivals after, um, I found that when people have the choice to drink tea that's maybe a little bit more engaging or drink alcohol, people generally tend toward the tea a little bit more and it's really fun mm. myself included yeah even you just describing this it's bringing me back to lucidity and i'm like i just i was having such a good night yeah. it was cool that we ended up you know my friend and i we ended up in this getting all snuggly in this little tea corner instead of like you know waking up the next day hungover what happened last night like we just like got down and we met friends in there that were really cool and the, the people similar journey you know would go to china and bring back all this tea they're really passionate about it it was great yeah it's a cool really, thing it's a really cool tool like I, yeah i mean when i first started learning about gong fu cha i and seeing kind of how it was, I think I first encountered it at like an event or something like that. I think it was either you or Sohan or someone like that. I saw it at a, at a party or a, like at a festival. And I just remember thinking that I love the interaction model of it. Cause on, on some level, it's kind of like, you know, when you go to a bar, like one of the best things, I guess, ideally about it is that you kind of can have a rapport with the, with the, uh, with the other patrons, the people sitting at the bar, you have a rapport with the bartender and you talk to them and they make you a cool drink. Yeah. They recommend shit to you, all that sort of stuff. And, uh, and, and that was a thing that was like the Gong Fu Cha is just like that, but you don't really get 
like inebriated to the point where it's like you can't stand up anymore but there's just this kind of like everyone like everyone will kind of sit in a circle around the poor and just kind of talk about whatever there can be little conversations but everyone's drinking the same thing and so it's kind of like we're all sharing an experience it's like all right so here we're serving a gunpowder green this is like a green that came from this part of china and like you can talk about it there's all little rituals about like smelling the cup after your first sip or smelling the tea before you pour any water in it all these little like intricacies of it and it's really just like it's like a model that i want to take like be i mean i love the tea but i was also thinking about like what if you had other things where you would make like some weird little concoction besides tea or maybe even some sort of tea mocktail or cocktail or whatever and serve it to everybody there and it's cool because you can kind of talk and watch the person making it loving putting passion and love into it and just pouring it for everybody i thought it was such an interesting interaction model that we don't, the closest thing we have is the bartender, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very, very good point. I really like the, I really like the interaction portion of it. Uh, being at, at the tea house at Guanyin tea house for, for so long and talking, sitting sometimes there for 10, 12 hours a day, pouring tea and just talking to people. That was, that was my job and I loved it. And it's like, you know, do you work? Do you call it a job if 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 you love it? You know, you never work a day in your life, kind of thing. It's very similar to that. It was just so amazing, just like the sharing. Uh, it's cool. It's you know, alcohol kind of probably gets a bad rap, I imagine, all over. I'm not like a great proponent for it, but you know, people's use, their personal use of whatever that anything is, ideas, anything like this. You know, you can overstep anything. I think alcohol is one of those easy things to overstep but something that's like noted that it does is it it helps you know the first couple drinks or something like that depending on your tolerance can help like loosen up a little bit now the issue i see as common is like well do you stop at a couple drinks or like and then that's generally the no for you know most drinker drinkers kind of stuff and that's cool whatever that's your do that's your do kind of thing but i like that it it has the ability to loosen you up and stuff like that and we see this in the music industry often there's uh there's like this old guitarist old blues guitarist guy and he shows up for he shows up for uh you know for a sound check and he's he's moving slow helping him on stage and he sits down and he starts playing and whatnot and you can he's not really quite warmed up yet and like by the time the show's right about to start he's like kind of almost there and then they bring him the one drink and he has like the one whiskey and coke or something like that and within like 10 20 minutes he's like you know moving around and slaying these awesome blues riffs and stuff like that so you know there's examples of where alcohol can be good but i really enjoy the idea of tea being uh, one of those liquids that we can we can do that you know we can share and God forbid, it's just giving us more cognitive function and, you know, science, medical science showing longer life and more attention span and like, oh, wow, that doesn't sound bad at all to me. No, so and you can I keep, enjoy it. You can like keep drinking all night, like with the with tea, like that's kind of the nice thing is like, 
I mean, like one of the dangers of alcohol is that it's just so much fun to like keep drinking. Like, oh yeah, let's take another shot here. Hit the bottle, have another beer, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> let's just do it. And then like, but like, as you get older, you do start to notice that it, it takes on less and less fun. Cause you know what the pay, like what you're going to have to pay for it. Like the next day, you're going to be like, if I have another shot right now, I'm not, I'm going to have to wait another hour or two before I can drive home. Then I got to like deal with all the like bullshit for tomorrow and stuff. And so it's kind of like, you know, just like, all right, I'll just drink water for the rest of the night or something. But like having tea mm -hmm. is like, there's no limit. You could just keep drinking tea and tea and tea. And then like, I mean, maybe caffeine can be a limit. Like you can get pretty juiced. I think they call it tea drunk, right? There's like a Chinese word ah, for it. Cha tsui. Cha tsui, yeah. Too drunk, yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and there's something to that, though. I mean, uh, there is a, a level where you're like, all right, it's 11 o'clock. I don't really need any more pu'er. But, <laughs> but like, yeah, that, that tea drunk is just, is, it's kind of like ecstatic in a way. It's very just like, oh, this is, yeah, like, let's, let's talk some more, you know? It's like kind of like low grade, like drinking and cocaine, but it's just like, you don't need any of that shit. And, and I think another thing too, is like when I was doing those touch collective events and just in events in general, like I, I want there to be a level of intimacy that people are comfortable with. I wanted to kind of push the, the boundaries there in terms of like, how can we make it so that people can have that kind of intimate experience quickly with people that they maybe don't know mm. so well. And alcohol is generally good at that, but when there tends to be alcohol, it's really easy to go over the line and for things to happen, especially like if you're um, doing something that's maybe on the kinkier side or something that involves like interaction with other people. It's yeah. like, uh, you know, the, the liability and the amount of extra work you have to take to make sure people aren't overstepping boundaries and people aren't, you know, getting, you know, getting in fights and stuff like that. It just becomes more of a liability. And so it's nice to have something that is stimulating in a, in a fun way that actually encourages interaction, like sitting down with other people to have some tea. And, uh, and then you don't have to worry about people getting too fucked up on it, you know? <laughs> yeah, I realized I, I brought that up and was kind of knocking alcohol in, in that. And I definitely, <laughs> I definitely um, enjoy drinking and love beer and, you know, all the different styles and flavors and, uh, you know, different, it's just, there's, there's a lot to it to appreciate if you really want to. But the only reason I said that was um, when I'm thinking back to that festival now, it was just kind of cool that there was other options than just the bar where there's, you know, certain parties where that's the only place to get a drink. And even if you really just want water, you're still like trying to push up to, to a bar instead of like, there's, you know, these little tea things. There was also like, like people doing like kava drinks and stuff. And I mean, it wasn't really something I was super into, but it was still like, hey, that's cool. That's something different. It's like a nice little warm drink at, you know, the middle of the night at a festival. So I don't know. I, it's cool that you're out there doing it. I really, I really hope to see you at a West Coast festival again. Would you ever go back to symbiosis or something like that? Oh, yes, of course. Yes, of course course uh, actually just just talking to some of the some of the cats of the envision festival and grabbing some some spots there for serving tea and also some production fun because i really like to do a lot of things at once it seems <laughs> so that's pretty good some sight lighting that's that's some squirrel job that's running around a lot that's a lot of cables it's i'll build a nest for him it'll be just fine 
<laughs> but yeah, there, Patagonia as well. That, you know, that didn't happen this last year. Uh, but shout out to Kubos. Thank you very much for building that anyway. A buddy stayed out there and built out Patagonia Eclipse just so they could, you know, re, uh, re-obtain some of the insurance money of stuff for not actually throwing the festival. So there's those things. Um, definitely as soon as festivals and tours start happening here in the U.S., I'm going to be doing a good bit more of that as well. There's a, I know a whole lot of bands, uh, you know, doing like road tours and stuff. A lot of bands are loving the tea. Um, uh, Bert McCracken from the used worked with them a lot recently. And uh, yeah, he doesn't drink anymore. And he's just like, wow, you can, we can just do this. And we'd stay up late at night and read poetry and drink tea together with this like awesome punk star. Yeah. So it's like, it's really cool. And, and, uh, and yeah, you know, more, more music, more tea and music, more festivals, more all of that. Hopefully all those things get rolling soon in a safe manner and where everyone feels justified, heard and safe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've been talking about for a while, you know, I have several friends that, you know, are kind of, I've been talking to about this, but like the idea of like opening up a venue, like a music, like dance club where they don't serve any alcohol, but it's like all sorts of other kinds of things, you know, like having a, like a Gung Fu Cha station or something like that, or having like a kava bar and like, you know, other like kombuchas and very like other kinds of cool stimulating beverages with various types of like adaptogens and things that won't really fuck you up, but they'll elevate your mood or help you relax and all these different things. Like, I think that would be a super dope club. It's just like you show up and you can get juice or whatever. Maybe it's BYOB if people really, you know, some people really like to have alcohol and I, I get that. I like to have it every now and then, but definitely having all that other stuff plus music. And it's like, this sounds great. It's all the benefit and none of the downside, yes. you know? That would be cool to see I, that. I, I, and you know, who wants to pay, who wants to pay $12 for a bottle of water anyway? When yeah. it's probably <laughs> just, you know, no water is bad, but bad water kind of thing so yeah yeah must, might as well go to if you're gonna pay something like that shit buy a kombucha buy some like buy a nootropic buy a something that'll be good for you and the, and the world even after you expel but yeah yeah <laughs> can we ask about uh can we ask you about current events chris like covid did that ah, I would love to. you have to pivot uh we have a new president as of yesterday I mean, how, how is all these things landing for you? Uh, well, COVID changed a lot of things for me. Uh, yeah, you know, I was, I was owning and running a tea house uh, here in Austin, Texas for a while. And we decided to, you know, we had some differences and decided to do focus on more of our own things, which was really awesome and really perfect. Uh, it happened to be right at the month marker, essentially, that COVID happened. So for me, as like an investment person that, you know, it wasn't like good that any of that happened, but wow, at least I didn't have to continue to stay open to try to stay open at that point, like in business world. So all of my focus changed to other things. I really, really, really wanted to get out and, and uh, play in the dirt. I've done landscaping before. Um, I love plants. My grandmother taught me a lot about plants and, and, and it was really, really fun. So I wanted to do that. And um, during COVID, I decided to take up uh, a little bit of farming stuff up north in Oregon, Oregon area. 
And so it was, it was really cool to be able to finally feel personally like I could leave and do that and not like leave a whole bunch of responsibility that I'm not taking care of behind and stuff like that. So that, uh, that was a really cool thing for me that happened in all of that. Now, COVID, COVID's crazy. You know, there's a lot of different, oh, hey, what's up, Shade? Shade just walked in. Um, <laughs> yeah, COVID's pretty crazy, right? So there's a lot of opinions. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of studies. There's a lot of science on it. There's a lot of medical stuff. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, I'm sure, propaganda. There, there's a lot of stuff, especially with, you know, elections and all those things happening. So there's a, you know, and I have a lot of friends in, with different ideas of what's going on. So I know some people are very on what, I don't want to say left and right, because there's more than just left and right, way different sides yeah. at different times. And they're like, oh, this is this thing. And, oh, this thing. And, uh, and yeah, it's really interesting to, to hear all of it. You know, um, we know quite a bit about COVID, you know, uh, I say we, humanity, I'm sure knows more about COVID now, how much access to the correct information of anything really, who knows, I'm not sure. I'm not sure at all. Uh, but I do have friends in the medical uh, field and, and family in the medical field that are like, man, I've seen some shit. Like, I don't know, just stay careful and be careful, you know? So I've got, I feel uh, a lot of different things, but I really like to understand more than like feel like I know. So um, it's really good to continue to understand more uh, for me. And uh, yeah, uh, like personally, um, do like the mask thing. Oh, mask preference. Watch, watch out, watch out. Hot topic. Trigger <laughs> words. Mask preference topic. Right. Me as a person, like what? No matter what I feel about it, personally, like does this take away my right to breathe air? No. Um, is it something that you know that I could do to help others feel safe? Likely. You know, is that exactly something I'm wanting to do? Not particularly that, but yes, like, you know, I'm not wanting to pe make people not feel safe at all. So, you know, I'll, I'll wear a mask where, where people ask to wear a mask, you know. Um, I wear a mask just kind of where, where the, wherever the state and wherever the city and wherever, the, wherever I am says that they would like to see the thing happening. And I, and owning a business for a little while where people would come into my business, um, I think about myself in that manner. Like if I were to ask them to put a mask on because that's how we can continue to do business, whether it's like a business standpoint or a personal safety standpoint. I have an elderly uh, grandmother that I live with or, or whatever, whatever the heck it is. Um, yeah, I'll wear the mask. Like me wearing a mask to potentially save help save a life or something like that or not contaminate sure is that like getting is that completely d damaging my immune system and stuff like that no i don't think not much i think it's probably a good idea to go outside and breathe in air without a mask like all the time probably you know maybe it's Depends. a good call to like start doing that or to like maybe air your house out more like whatever the you know whatever the thing is so uh, yeah, there's the mask thing. <laughs> there's some of the COVID thing. I'm curious, Chris, as someone who's done a, a, a lot of business with China, what do you think 
is going on over there? Like, what do you kind of see the, uh, <clears throat> what do you kind of see the future? Uh, I mean, obviously you're not in any kind of like big political thing. You're not dealing with any kind of huge industry leaders or anything, but like, where do you see US China relationships going, especially how it might pertain to your business? Hmm. Good question. Good question. It's really, all of it's really up in the air as far as China goes. I don't know. I don't know what actually happened between said president or any regular, you know, agencies or whatever. You know, I don't think, I don't really think that it's as plain and open as like President Trump or President Biden called China and they said this. <laughs> like it's, you know, it's not, it's not an exactly like that. So as far as like how the news is represented and all that kind of stuff, I don't think it's exactly, they're not giving us what we should know in, in the situation, I think, I think. So I don't know how, what all the things happened this last year and everything. I don't know what, how that affects relations and how that's gonna. I do know a little bit on the China side about, you know, the development of the Macau Bridge and, and what, the, what the new Greater Bay Area is, what they're calling it in, in China and Macau, area that over there the largest land bridge right now um, from Macau to Hong Kong so like that opens up another port for China that that like diversifies a good bit so as far as business from China they're gearing up to do a lot more business or maybe just live differently or I don't know I don't know exactly um, but uh, yeah China's a wonderful place China's definitely a wonderful place I have some family over there and whenever some stuff was happening over here at the beginning of COVID, and uh, and you know everyone over here was freaking out a lot, and you know with 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 due understanding, hell yeah, it's a fucking pandemic. You know, you know, don't freak out to where it's gonna like kill you, but pay attention or something. You know, the pandemic. So, um, they were giving me different information than what I was seeing, like pretty widely on 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 the news channels and stuff like that. So I don't know. I don't know exactly. Um, I do like tea. I do like getting tea from China. China is my favorite kind of Chinese tea is my favorite kind of tea, all the different kinds, whatever. But there's, you know, there may be, there may be different ways to experience business with China in the, in the near future. And I don't know whether that lands more in crypto base or if that lands more in different trade base or production base right this is you know this is where we throw in apple's new you know m1 and like the creation they're wanting to create more of their own like you know silicon well not create their own silicone but you know creating their own chipsets and stuff like that what does that do is there are they moving out of china where are they going to be what kind of movement happened from from all of this that happened this year with politics the everything what moves that away from China and where are there going to be new production facilities uh, outfitted for the kind of production of tech and everything that we, um, I don't want to say need, but that we use now, you know. So it's, it's really, really, really up in the air. Who knows? Uh, I'm luckily I have a ginormous stock of tea uh, to share with everybody. <laughs> so if stuff were to go completely bad, T value goes up. I don't know. That's <laughs> kind of uh, I, an idea there, you know. 
I'm curious, oh, like vintages and availability, kind of like wine. Like when in your experience, like when you've been over there and like your your family and stuff, like what are the, like the people that you you interact with over there? What do they feel about like Xi Jinping and like the Chinese state? Because like over here, you know, it seems pretty apocalyptic you know kind of big brother state like they kind of regulate all your money and they're you know especially when we saw like hong kong basically i don't know what the technical word but when china was basically like all right time's up you guys are part of us now and people were really pissed off about it and rioting in the streets we kind of saw a negative side and i've heard just not i haven't done much research into it but from a, a, a number of people in podcasts and stuff who are specialists in chinese politics kind of talk about how there is a bit of some unrest there and there's some kind of cracks under the under the veneer because obviously whatever China shows us is very much like you can kind of assume it's kind of like what Russia would say like we're have, we're the most democratic country and we do everything perfect look business is so much better in a communist state and then you find out it's actually horrible and everything's falling apart um, would you say there's something similar in your experience are there the, I mean, the people that you, inter at least when the people you interact with? Um, my experience with China and all of that actually differs from some popular opinions. Um, and and this, is, this is where I go from more experience-based than, than really anything else. Uh, because, you know, that's, that's what it is. That's what I've seen. That's what I've experienced. You know, I'm sure I'll experience other things and different things at different times. Uh, at least I hope so. It's called life and that's what I enjoy. So, um, it, hmm, let me think about that for a second. It's like, uh, I asked a lot of people when I was, when I've been there, I've asked a lot of people, you know, what they thought, you know, what they thought about, about things, about things. And when I asked these people, um, I was, uh, in some pretty, pretty cool places, uh, on a, on a public transit bus um, that ran very, very, very well and never experienced a, like a bad stop or a super drunk, too drunk person or like anything like that. And I'm asking these people these questions and we're driving by like underpasses of large highways that are like lush, green and lush and like what you would want. I think what a lot of what America like wants America to be like, like, oh, well, there's just going to be a bunch of concrete, put fucking plants there, it helps clean the yeah. air, it looks pretty, <laughs> like what's, uh, you know, so like, I'm like asking these people these questions and these like beautiful sceneries. And even when it's not that, it's like a broken down thing, broken down shack or a home or something like that. And uh, it's like, it seems to be better than a lot of the things that I see here. I mean, there's talk about a whole lot of regulating uh, in China. And of course, they're gonna, they do things, you know, they what measured response and stuff. And they say they're going to do something, likely they're going to do it. Um, and it's it's kind of weird. Like the, a lot of the people that, that I know that I spoke with were like, you know, communism does help. We like, it's been like bred into us. And like, this is why, how it's been for a long time. And we've we've like seen how a nation can grow from from the benefits of it. So I, more of the people that I talked to talked more about the benefits and what they enjoyed about it than what they didn't enjoy about it. And here's another part about, you know, regulations and all that kind of stuff. 
yeah, there's a lot of crazy regulations in China, but have you ever tried to regulate people? You know what that's like? How can you, how are you going to try to regulate that many people? So like what kind of harsh regulations are happening and how often does that happen per, you know, whatever? Uh, I don't know, but it's a little bit different than, than the general doomsday reporting that I see about any country, about anything. Like I haven't heard, as far as news goes, I haven't heard a damn thing good about any country in like 35 years, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So it's, uh-huh. I, I, they, they seem to, they seem to like it. Here's another little add on just real quick. Um, like there's some, you know, child labor. So there's some of that that's going on over there. Some of that that's going on everywhere. Um, uh, and I asked uh, some kids, they were making some shoes, some Nike shoes or, or the secondary misprint called Mikey shoes, M-I-K-E, same track. <laughs> Great. I, you know, I like comedy. Um, so they're making some shoes and I was asking, do you want to be here making the shoes? And they were like, of course, we want to be here making the shoes. They allow us to start making money sooner. Why would you not? I was like, oh, this little Chinese kid just learned me up. Like, yeah, of course, of course. Like coming from America, that's what we would do. That's what I, I think kind of more what I did. Tried to mowing lawns and DJing like weddings and stuff to try to to get you know money before it was like legally okay to receive money as a person which is kind of weird anyway but yeah so there was that a lot of the a lot of the things that i heard was just good things and even when i was asking people in really rough places the feeling of communism and the the expression of such that that they've seen from the people that i've talked to from my sample size from my sample source has shown more so better than not i'm gonna say that yeah and i mean in this kind of like i feel like thinking about china is also another big uh reason why i've been wanting to get into crypto um in general because um it was crazy like i think me and jesse talked about this last time i was listening to a, a duncan trussell podcast and they were going off and they were just like you know like how we, we kind of already live in this post country, like nation world, because the United States owns lots of properties. Like our businesses have been exported all over the world, our culture, like you can, everyone speaks English. So it's not in a way the United States extends beyond just our borders and the same with like China and also in physical ways, like, cause China right now is buying up a ton of land here in the United States. And so is Russia. And, um, and there's a lot of talk, like I've been reading this guy's, uh, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of him. His name is Ray Dalio. Have you heard of him? No, he's um, heard the name, but haven't. I would, I would I highly listened. say he's a very fascinating figure for a lot of reasons. He ran this uh, hedge fund called Bridgewater, which is, uh, they're like one of the largest hedge funds in the world. They kind of call him the Steve Jobs of investing. Um, but he's really, he, we can talk about some of the other cooler things, but he's been coming out with a book talking about like larger debt cycles and how the economy kind of moves overall. And um, 
and one of the things his because so he's done a lot of business with China ever since like the 80s or something. He's been going back and forth and talking to Chinese companies and stuff, um, brokering deals. But he's been talking about how like we're kind of in this weird position where China's really gunning for us. They're really trying to overtake the United States as uh, as the world leading world economy. And, you know, it, historically, when a, a government has the reserve currency and everyone and they stop having the reserve currency like everyone switches over to a different one it doesn't work out so well for the country who carries the reserve currency which is kind of like you know over the next you know two to ten years or whatever if china makes these moves and can pull it off and we're hearing talk about a great reset and all of these sorts of things like that could spell out a lot of like financial trouble for people in the united states and so to me especially with the way our government and the Fed are acting right now, it's kind of like just holding cash, just like keeping money in a savings account, you're actually losing money. It's losing value. Me and Jesse have talked about this. They, the Fed builds into it like a 3% inflation every year. That's just, that's their goal. They try to keep to that. And so if you want to like right. Like actually save your wealth, save your money and like let it build on you. It makes sense to take some of that and at least put some in an asset that will grow over time, which is why, you know, I mean, even at the very least getting into like taking out some index funds or something like that is a good idea to put some of your savings into that. Um, but like it's the same kind of with crypto and and getting into crypto allows you not not only to just kind of hedge your your savings against whatever the United States government or whatever happens to the dollar, but also it allows you to do business with anyone anywhere. Like you don't need to know anybody. You just like, Oh, here's money. Like you could do, you could trade coins or anything with people in China, with people in Indonesia, with people like in Europe and the, the, the math doesn't care. You know, the numbers, the, the code, the code doesn't care. Like, so you can just do it. And whatever else the government is trying to impose on us. It's like, I don't, I don't care anymore. You know, like I'm going to do business with people, not with governments. So that's kind of been a, like a, another big thing for me. Like, not that I have a ton of wealth to like, you know, be worried about losing, but I think for me having just my, my meager savings and just kind of like learning how like, Oh, if I put it over here, it'll at least gain more than it would in a, in a, in a savings account or something like that but or at least it has the potential to gain I, as opposed to like guaranteed to lose <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you know at, at minimum three percent if not more <laughs> yeah 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 that that's real <laughs> so like um uh let's see you i mean gosh it's been interesting just to have your perspective um with us, this, I mean, it's evening here, but with us this evening, do you think like, I, I, I've never thought of something like the Federal Reserve or like even how, uh, how invented a lot of currencies are. I never thought of that as being like a high IQ concept for people, but I'm surprised in the day to day, how many people I meet that like aren't aware that a dollar bill is printed by a privately owned company do you find that like a lot of your peers are completely on that level? Do you feel like there's other people out there that you think are really brilliant in some ways, but they don't actually like genuinely don't care that much about money. So it's like, 
there's facts that they just don't really see because they don't really care. But in my mind, I'm like, because you don't care and you don't see, you're not seeing how we're being kind of held back by these systems. Whereas if we were to all see a little bit clearer and have a little bit basic understanding, even if you don't consider yourself like a money hungry person or somebody who's even business oriented, like I have a lot of friends that aren't business oriented, but they're great people. They're super smart. But them being not so business oriented, they don't really care where their money comes from. They go to work, you know, it pays their bills, they have health insurance. And, you know, sometimes I'm just like, well, wake up a little bit more. And, you know, like you said, my interact, my experience with Bitcoin is great. It's great. What I see about it on the news, I don't think it's necessarily an accurate description at all, right. you know, <laughs> but like I have a, you know, uh, a level of understanding where it's like, I know that's not the experience that I'm having. And this is the experience I keep regularly having. I'm going to identify with what I keep having myself as opposed to what other people are telling me I should have with it. So I'm just, I'm curious, Chris, if you have a group of friends that are like on that level, or if you have anything to speak on of like, kind of nudging that friend that's like, hey, I know you don't care about money, but like, check this out. This is important. Like it, it kind of applies to all of us at this point. Yeah. Yes. I have, I have a lot of friends. Thankfully I'm, I'm very blessed and very lucky to have a lot of friends in this life. And I've got a lot of friends all, all over the board with many different ideas, many different um, states and sets of values uh, and how they value themselves, whether that be capitally monetarily or musically or artistically or any, in any manner whatsoever. Right. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of, lot of different, a lot of difference in thought. I think, I think a lot of this comes from me. The idea of this comes from like, where does information come from these days? You know, with data analysts and data analysis and just the amount of data that we're like recording and taking and looking at and blah, 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 you know, putting through algorithms and like, you know, sorting and all that kind of stuff. You would think that we would have better ways to actually share information. Now, it's really interesting because we're, we're starting to use a lot of these things like this one right here, yeah. <laughs> right? You know, we're, we're being able to broadcast. Now, this, you know, this wouldn't have been a thing back then. You know, you'd have to be like, okay to be able to broadcast. And even that you can just like be kind of almost like private broadcasting or any of that kind of stuff. It's like, it's cool. It's really awesome. We have a lot of really cool ways to process information, to gather information, really awesome new ways to look at information, which is, I like, I like brain hacks and stuff, and I'm finding out more about all of those things and ideas, and it's super awesome. And then there's the other end of the coin, which is, ends up being like, you know, we watch the news sometimes in the morning for the weather or something. Or like maybe for sports if you're into sports but is a weather guy even ever really right too much <laughs> at least here in texas or like what information like what are we getting you know do we see it on facebook do we see it on on youtube do we see it on any of the any of the things and then do we actually go fact check them and when you do fact check them how do you do that if you're into fact checking you know you got to figure out certain requirements, maybe find several citations that qualified citations, whatever qualification men, you know, uh, protocol you go with personally, and then find several citations of it and like, you know, okay, cool. And this is my, this is what I'm going from. No, it's like, 
scroll, scroll. Oh, okay, scroll. So like, I don't know how much, there's a lot of people that are really, really, really smart that attempt to stay up with like news and current events and stuff like that, that all have different wavering opinions. And a lot of them can be really smart and a lot of them can be very different, which is like super awesome because I like difference and possibilities. But wow, is it confusing? You know, <laughs> where do you get where do you get your information these days? Uh, earlier yesterday, we're, um, I was trying some beer with my friend Brett. Uh, uh, really awesome rye beer, by the way, it's pecan rye or something like that. Very, very, very good. Um, and uh, Oh, pecan rye beer. I don't know. It was really, it was it was really awesome. And we were, <laughs> we were looking for a word, and we we're like, okay, where do we go to find out if this is a word? And like, okay. And then I said Merriam-Webster's dictionary. And then like, most of the people in the house laughed, and and I was and I laughed too. And I was like, ah, it's like, wait a minute, isn't that like when I grew up, you know, encyclopedias, <laughs> dictionaries? That's how you figured out if there was a word, if that was a word. But like, what is that? nowadays and do you go to merriam-webster's or do you go to like is it is it lingo is it whatever oxford so even yeah. at this very <laughs> literal and this is one of those pet peeve words literal which means actually or virtually now yeah both? it means it's opposite either one so they changed yeah opposite. they changed the meaning yeah. of it to because so many people had been using literally you know because that, that's the thing about the definitions is that they they don't they follow the usage so people are like oh my god i literally died you know oh i literally my head literally exploded yesterday when i heard that which is like obviously it didn't but yeah. people use to say that so much that they've actually killed the literal meaning of literal <laughs> wow. right so it for me it goes it kind of it it lies in that realm. It lies in that bucket. It lies in, you know, at the bottom of the compost pile almost. Like, where do we, where do we do this? Where do, how do we get our information? Is it, is it good? Do we trust it? You know, what, what is it? And then, so I don't, it's, it's hard. It's very hard. And that's why I think there's a lot of, I've got a lot of friends with a lot of different opinions, super smart friends that because they, they're more of one political party, look at different things and have a completely different outlook of something and people who are like like i don't even want to do politics like i'd rather just be a person and they have something completely different and then like you know people that just want to live out in the woods because that's like more healthy for them and they feel better doing that and that's awesome and they have a completely different look at at everything so it's it, it's really all over for me. It's uh, sorry for kind of an open answer there, but yeah, yeah it's, well, I see a lot. You know, to, to that end, I think another thing like, and I, I kind of just keep returning to your question of uses and stuff for crypto. Um, some of the really exciting things for me with crypto is that there is almost this like, just you get paid just to participate just by participating. Whereas like, you know, if you want to make, it's kind of like you have a version of that. If you do, if you invest in stocks and stuff, like you might get dividends or whatever, but it's generally really small. But the way a lot of these projects are being designed is that you get a little chunk just for being an actor, just for like, for instance, that brave browser, like you can go on to break. So the way it works, I don't know if you've heard, but just to re-explain it, it like it blocks all ads. 
and then you can change your settings to a, to basically say however many ads you are okay with viewing per hour. And if you don't want to view any ads, you can just set it at zero. But if you want to make a little coin, you can set it to like, I think up to nine ads an hour. And so it'll send you these targeted ads. And just for viewing them, you get paid. And, and the thing that a lot of people don't realize, but they're starting to wake up to is that like everything you do on the internet, on like Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, if you leave a comment, if you like something, if you share it, that is work. That is that is what makes that company viable. And the thing is that you are not getting paid for it. And, yeah. and it's like, it's the same thing everywhere. Like we all participate in this like environment, like in a city, if I just go dump a bunch of toxic waste just in the street, like everybody on who lives on that street has to deal with that, you know? And it's the same kind of thing. And it's like, yeah. If, if I take care of my house, if I take care of the street, if I go pick up trash, everybody benefits from that. And the thing is that our system has blinded us to that. And we think we just exist in this lone ranger kind of like, I just need to pull myself up by my bootstraps and not worry about anybody else. But like, and, and I think there's another way too, where it's like, we also, you know, the other side is like, no, you don't get anything. We need to like all share the burden. So if someone's miserable, you need to be miserable too kind of thing. But I think there's a middle ground. And to me, crypto and some of the projects, I, I shouldn't say a blanket thing, but that like some of the projects in crypto offer a way towards that, where it's like, just for like, you know, you buy a little bit of this coin and then it's also useful. Like the people compare, like, I heard this really interesting analogy that like Bitcoin is like gold and in that it's just a store of value. It's not really that useful for most things, but Ethereum is more like oil because Ethereum is something that like, if you want to use some of these decentralized apps, for instance, there's like crypto kitties, there's like collectibles that you can do. There are social networking apps that are all built on the Ethereum blockchain. And in order to use any of these, you have to have a little bit of Ethereum. And so like you, what you could do potentially is take some of your Ethereum. If they, this is if they switch to their new Ethereum 2.0, which is complicated, but like the goal for them is that, oh, take some of your savings, put it in a, in a, in a pool which get accrues money because every transaction costs a little bit of gas is what they call it, a gas fee. And so every transaction on the Ethereum blockchain costs a little bit. And it's really small. It's like fractions of a cent, ideally. Um, but like all of that goes in and that's essentially what you might call a tax, except it's transparent. It's not like, oh, you made a bunch of money. Right. Now you got to pay us. And it's like, okay, I just give you know, 30% of my money to you and it goes into a void and hopefully something good comes out of it. You know, hopefully my roads get improved. Hopefully my water will fix a pothole. Exactly. Yeah. Hopefully you fix pothole, you know? So, and, but in this way, like that money could go to a coffer and then ideally to whatever degree that you want, you would be able to vote on ways to fix the system and the voting would be transparent and it wouldn't be able to be hacked because it's crypt. It's crypt. Uh, what's the word? There's cryptography on it. It's like, um, I'm blinking yeah. on the word, but um, like everything is blocked, you know, it's encrypted. And so, uh, and so to me, that just seems like so much more fair of a system and, and just open and transparent to allow people to interact face to face, or I mean, not face to face, but directly, you know, one, one to one without uh, an intermediary being there to, right. 
say this is a good interaction or this is a bad interaction, you know? So like that's, that's what's, that's what really excites me. And especially in this day where there is, we're, we're struggling to find common ground and, and to find a semblance of what you could call truth or something like this offers some, a, a much better way of interacting than through these, like, you know, you can't, like you're saying, you can't trust the news. You can't trust Facebook. You can't, who do you trust? You know? So trust math. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's interesting. You know, I finally, I wanted, I wanted to just mention two points of what you just said. Finally, a positive interaction with ads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, so that, that's cool. It's, it's a really awesome availability. And uh, yeah, I do believe that, you know, anybody wanting to start some coin or anybody wanting to be involved with really anything, I think at this point, interaction is really key. I found that out with T. Interaction is key. People like having the sale points and stuff like that, but you can get sale points anywhere. You can buy or sell from whatever. So like interaction, they want to feel good about the interaction. Not only that has, sorry for mentioning this to the company, if this like causes issues or something, that browser, are there any people like mining, like having like no. 20 video cards rocking the whole, okay. They, they, they like well, block that somehow or they haven't. Uh, well, correct me no, if I'm so wrong, you can't just like run a bunch of different video screens. So they are built off of Ethereum and Ethereum is currently working on, so there's in crypto, there's two things. There's proof of work and there's proof of stake and proof of work is the mining thing. That basically means that you got to right. solve this incredibly difficult math problem. And then if you solve it first, then you win and you get the, you get to verify the next block in the chain and then you get paid for it, right. which is super resource intensive and that is a super big concern that people should have about crypto but proof of stake is is there's an algorithm that basically picks people in nodes so basically you put a port you you put a portion of your money of your crypto into a, a little holding place where it's not liquid you can't access it um, whenever you want you have to wait until to pull it out and there's an algorithm that basically picks which pool gets the next uh gets to verify the next chain and therefore get paid mm. so that is much less resource intensive so currently ethereum is making the transition to that there are already some other cryptocurrencies that are right. out that are already doing that so that there are, there are definitely competitors with ethereum such as things like cardano and tezos and some others but um, so that's where they're working to, towards. And ideally that will help dramatically lower the amount, the energy consumption of, of blockchain um, in the future. But yeah, did you have anything to add to that, Jesse? Uh, so uh, the basic attention token, that's the Brave token. You cannot mine that token. The, that token was released uh, in its full circulating supply in its ICO basically like uh, its initial, uh, like its initial price uh, offering coming to the stock market, but in crypto, uh, it was kind of like right. the version of that or whatever. But other cryptocurrencies you can mine, like you can mine Bitcoin, you can mine um, Monero is another good one. You can mine Litecoin. There's other ones that can. Right. 
Oh, interesting. Well, okay. more so than more so than the actual mining aspect. Like, is there a, if what's the browser where you can where you can get where you can receive uh, capital by by watching ads? What's that one called again? That, that's Brave browser. That's Brave. So, if, can you like have just some ginormous badass computer machine and open up twenty twenty uh, you know video oh, clip oh, screens I and then just be like show me everything now (laughs) and then just start like not exactly mining but the the use of the video card watching a an advertisement kind of pique that interest interest just wonder really you probably could you to be honest you probably could and do okay i just i just also think there's it's it's so interesting it's like (laughs) it's similar to uh veganism or um veganism is a good one because it's like when you know somebody who gets like the hook of veganism they cannot stop talking about veganism and why it's good for the planet and why it's healthy yeah and i mean veganism there's a lot of great things about it i've tried it for for a, a, a period of time in my life and i also hit that phase of like other people should do this or know about this you know what i mean and and i think crypto has that too where it's like once you get your hook into it you get fired up because you're like, oh my gosh, like, oh my gosh, look how brilliant this is. And look how it applies to me specifically and how this must apply to everybody else in their own way too. So like the thing is, if that was your your hook and you started getting like, you know, mining like that, if you will, <laughs> in your in your style, you, then you would be like, wait, next thing you know, you know, you'd be increasing how you spend time in the crypto ecosphere in all these different ways. And if, if it was money that you're after, you'd be like, yo, there's faster ways to, to make it or, uh, or whatever. I mean, if it was connection right. that you're after, you're probably like, you know, I should probably be playing some, some games instead of watching ads or, you know, it just depends on what people are interested in when they get into the ecosphere, kind of like, it's, it's almost like a burning man party. You're like, Whoa, there's, a little bit of everything. And I kind of like that. And I didn't know if I liked that, but maybe I do. And, you know, I'm going to dabble over. <laughs> uh, to that question, I just looked it up and there seems to be only, uh, it depends on where you live, uh, I guess, but it seems like in, a lot of people are saying up to 21. Someone said up to 40 ads a day oh, um, okay. on Brave. Oh, and, okay. Yeah. And it does okay. kind of make sense. I mean, ads a day. That's yeah, a lot you, easier than like screens open at a time. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Them. And just like mining for ads. I'm just like, I just have my like 30 computers just viewing ads. So I just accrue, you know, money. But I, I, and, speed. and, yeah. and it may, what? what was that? At triple speed. At triple speed. Like, right, yeah, I want to shoot them at me. And they kind of show up as like a little pop up. So it's not like, it's just like bling. And there's no bullshit like click here. It's just like a, you know, the name of the company, and then like a little tagline. It'll be like bling, Coinbase, get five free dollars in Bitcoin, and you can either click on it and it'll take you to the web page, or you can click a button that just closes it out. So it's not even that intrusive. It makes a little sound. You could probably even turn the sound off if you wanted. Um, but I think it's also makes sense because it's like the person who views the ads honestly contributes the least amount, you know, of value to the whole ecosystem. And ideally, like what it really is for and what makes it exciting for me as a creative and as an artist is uh, it, it makes it easier for people to 
pay content creators. Because, and this is a thing that, that you'll start seeing more and more in various blockchain uh, apps is that the more attention you get, the more uh, money you make. So it's like the more valuable that you are to the community, the more people who like what you do, the more money that you get and the more attention you get. So like there's a thing called Blockstack, which is like a little framework. It's like its own weird little internet, but you can create little decentralized apps like, you know, name, name something like an Evernote for your computer, but it's decentralized. So all of the information is stays on your computer. It's not, it doesn't go to a cloud, you know, you're in charge of it all. And there's a bunch of different kinds, but like, if you create an app, you get more of this digital currency based on how many more people are using your app, which is a, a better way to, I don't know, it, it probably has some issues that some economists has figured out, you know, but to me, that seems like a much better solution than what, at least than what we have now, where it's like content creators make everything for free. And then, you know, they have to go and sell their souls right. to some weird advertiser or, they, or whatever, you know, it's like, you still got to hustle. It's like you, a million followers just equals a million followers. Like you don't really, I mean, maybe on YouTube, you can make a little bit from ad revenue um, if you choose to have them, right. but they, you're at their mercy. They can demonetize you for any reason. They don't like what you're talking about. It's like, boom, demonetized. You said Nazi in your video, boom, demonetized. Like, goodbye, like no questions asked. And uh, and so right. under this model, it's like if people are viewing your content, like you, and you can even have your website and just like, hey, if I go to Chris's website, oh, look, I can donate some bat to him. You know, I can give him a tip because I liked his latest whatever. Or I can just set up a, a recurring monthly payment, like because I want to support what he does. So I'll set up a recurring. I actually have it for this guy named Mr. Bill, um, who's a, a, a producer yeah, who I really enjoy. I've learned a lot from the guy. I set up a recurring payment of 20 bat a month. And so like he gets some bat, you know, just because I like what he does. And I'm not currently paying him any fiat money. So I pay him some digital currency and it makes me feel a little better for consuming his content for the value that I get from him, you know? Yeah. And he's working over there with Dylan at the producer dojo, right? Is that that, that guy? Yeah, he has in the past. Oh, he might be actually, he lives up yeah, in, yeah. I think he's in San Francisco now or something. I don't know. I listened to his podcast. So that's how I know. <laughs> right. But. Well, check this out. I have to use the restroom real quick, but while I'm, while I'm doing that, I have a quick question for y'all and I'll, I'll listen and we'll talk later uh, too. But um, is there a way that people that are listening right now or, or that are looking forward, that are listening later uh, can contribute to uh, what you're doing? Is there, is there uh, this podcast in particular, is there a way to, uh, to contribute and or interact more uh, subscribe or any of those kinds of things? Can, while I'm gone, can you talk about that for a second? Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we were talking a little bit, so we have both of our, uh, we usually post our, our Ethereum wallets, our MetaMask wallets, which you can donate, uh, ether to. We are also, uh, making some NFTs or non-fungible tokens, which are little digital artworks because, uh, Jesse is a fantastic painter. And so he'll sometimes take, make little digital things and put some of my music on there, which you can, which you can buy there. Um, we can set up our YouTube for for receiving bat. Actually, it's not too difficult. Oh, okay. I didn't know. If, I didn't. I didn't know 
uh, if we could do that. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I have... That's cool that he brought that up because, like, um, if if you are listening and you do want to support us, everything counts, and even just a like, share, or subscribe, we notice it all, and we yeah. love you guys <laughs> so much. <laughs> and if you like what we do, seriously, I mean, uh, we like what you do. So <laughs> hit us up, folks. And also, if you want to be on the show, like, drop a comment and talk to us because. I mean, why not? It's pirate yeah. utopia. There's no. This is this is not Joe Rogan. <laughs> We're for everybody, for yeah, the children. Right. <laughs> you don't have to write no book. No. <laughs> we our guests have been pretty good though. I gotta say. Yeah. No, I love it. Just yeah, just talking to the coolest. We both know a lot of cool people, and I feel like, you know, there's a lot of cool people in in the world out there that just don't have uh, don't have the reach, or people just need to know about what they're doing. You know. Totally, totally. Chris yeah, is familiar, man. When he was talking about being at Symbiosis doing tea, I was just like, oh my gosh. You know, where you like you have like that acid flashback. You're like, was it him? Like, I, I remember <laughs> somebody with the curly mustache, I swear. But it's a festival, so. Who yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a cool thing is that like just talking to you and like, you know, you've done a lot of, you've lived all over the country. And so you, you have a community of people, but it's cool for me because I've mostly just lived in Colorado and here, there are a lot of travelers that come through these places, but it's cool to see that there is such a, a cool, like kind of heady uh, community um, that exists all over. And it's people who are kind of renegades and who think a little differently, but you know, we all love art. We love to think about the big questions. What is life? What is consciousness? And we also care deeply about doing the right thing, you know, trying to make the world a little bit better. And so I think it's cool that it's like, you know, people in New York city are doing that and thinking the same way and seeing all the, all the similarities of people all over the country but also kind of noticing, you know, what the differences are. It's like, oh, what is life like for you in New York, you know, right now? Like, what is life like for you in, in San Francisco or LA or Colorado? Right. And I think it's really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. You know, somebody was asking me about that the other day and I never really think about it, but I, I have traveled quite a bit and, and I like it. I mean, I think I learn a lot from each place that I go and spend time in. I mean, I, I learned a lot living in Austin and it was, you know, a little less than two years, which isn't really all that much time, but I look back on it now and I mean, just the way it affected my art, the way that I found some confidence in a new city where I didn't know anybody, you know, it was just like, it, it's amazing. And and that goes for every place I've lived as an, as an adult, even as a, as a kid too, but especially when you're an adult, that really like starts to change it up. Yeah. Cause you're free. You can do whatever you want. You know, you can like go to that dingy bar down the street. You can right. go talk to those people under the bridge, you know? <laughs> I know. And I did a lot of that in Austin. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. You have that video. Like I hadn't even been in that one, like that one, like, uh, was it like a warehouse that was like by my place? And you're like, Oh yeah, I went in there. I did some tagging in there and you even had a video. <laughs> oh yeah you've seen that video oh yeah gosh that was before i lived there like i was like on a vacation and i just like needed needed to paint <laughs> found a way in gotta get my art out <laughs> yeah yeah oh that was, that was a good trip that's funny but oh, yeah there was like there's such a good uh art scene there i mean people say that about san francisco and other parts of the world 
I mean, other parts of the world, but other parts of the country. And it, it is true, but not like Austin. Like there was so many events that I remember being invited to and even just to set up in live paint. Like it was pretty open if you wanted to play music, share poetry, I mean, pain. There was just so much to do, which I really uh, appreciated about that city. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of cool stuff going on here, and I mean, it's easy to it's easy to complain for sure. Like, I mean, there's definitely every place has its challenges, and definitely Austin's no utopia for any Californians who are trying to move here. You know, it's definitely not <laughs> not perfect. I was gonna say, has it, has it don't like come here? <laughs> I know like the, the, it seems like there's a lot of LA, you know, big names moving there. I won't say their names, but like, you know, there's like a, there's like a, a kind of a migration there. Is that, is that affecting the scene and the vibe there and prices? Not yet. Uh, I mean, prices have been going up. I don't know if it's the same as everywhere. I mean, definitely the housing market's been pretty big. Um, but yeah, like since events haven't really opened up, I don't think it's really sunk in yet. Mm -hmm. um, I guess we'll see, but there does appear to be like a huge mass migration of, of Southern Californians and they all have set their sights on Austin. Um, you know, I, I mean, obviously the big one is Joe Rogan, um, but there's, you know, Elon Musk and, and a bunch of people are all kind of picking central Texas, uh, which is, is cool. You know, we'll see, we'll see what it turns into. I don't know. What have you been feeling about that, Chris? Oh, that's, that's pretty cool subject there. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, working in, in different, uh, uh, farming industries as of late, you know, there's a lot of, with the fires happening in, in NorCal and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of people like, you know what, you know, it's hot in Texas. Maybe I'll just go to Texas. Yeah. <laughs> So there's, you know, there's a lot of that kind of stuff with the cannabis industry moving forward, as well as all the, you know, the, that containment of cannabis and all that kind of stuff. Like who knows what's going on with any of that. So a lot of the trade value that's there either with cannabis or with tech and be, you know, like Elon and, and Joe and all them, you know, there's a bunch of people moving in here and uh, probably of course, right? Like it's, we've got a cheaper economy, cheaper. When I say that, I mean like a, a, lower cost of living um mm. you know you can get some tacos for pretty cheap over here and they they're not that cheap over there in in uh in the bay area no not like you know it's it's not it's pretty expensive anything and everything's pretty expensive over there so i can see yeah. why why these companies are wanting to move here especially because we're no stranger to production we're no stranger to a mass amount of land or the amount of people, whatever kind of people you end up employing, a mass amount of people to do that work. Mm. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. And yeah, you know, I encourage anyone to like broaden their uh, horizon of any sort. If they want to move somewhere, move somewhere. Um, Austin's really cool. I like it, but I'm only here part of the year. So, you know, Move around. Maybe don't exactly just move to Austin. Yeah. yeah, check it out. Come visit. Come have some tea just for a little bit. We can social distance in the park. There's a lot of parks. Really cool. Yeah, that is a nice thing about Austin. There's a lot of there's a lot of outside areas. A lot of um, places to to go for like a quick hike. Get some nature. Um, 
that's that's really nice. I've been fortunate to live, you know, because I lived in Boulder before and I didn't really notice much of a change coming to Austin. It's like, oh, yeah, there's Greenbelt. There's the park. It's just right there. You can just drive it's, it's in the city, you know, and there's a lot of cities, unfortunately, where there is no nature. It's really difficult to get into a, a nice little forest area or something. So that is that's a good mm -hmm. a good thing about it. And, you know, I'm secretly hoping that the commercial real estate market takes a nosedive after uh, COVID. And that way there's a bunch of cheap real estate, especially with everyone realizing that they can work from home and be just as productive. So maybe that spells out cheaper rents for music venues, a lot of which in Austin uh, have been closing. And that's really unfortunate. But for those of us like me and Chris, who are hoping to start uh, a new you know start some new venues and and dance clubs and stuff once things open up again like I, you know that would be perfect for me you know chris got the moves there <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was but, gonna say i mean it's it's obviously it's got to be detrimental if you're a business owner that lost their business during this but um i mean kind of going with that like serenity prayer mentality like accept what you cannot change and you know change the things that you can but if that's not your situation and this is a yeah. thing that you've had on your mind as a goal and this presents itself as an opportunity for you i mean this could be huge i mean this might be the time where you like you could acquire a space like the space we were just talking about that old beat up building or whatever i mean you know the type of parties that you probably want to even in venue that you want to throw at least in the beginning might be kind of like a renegade style like it might be kind of fun to have it like be like that you know what i mean like it doesn't take that much to get something going and then you know over time 15 years later it's like you have something that's got some character you know it's got some chest hair it's got some balls you know like I always thought spider house ball yeah. like, so like, it was just like, there's so much mischief has happened here. Like, you know, but that didn't happen because they like built that place in one day, you know, like it just, I don't know. It takes time. Oh, a long time coming. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Actually, you know, RAP, RAP T spot, right. That was uh that was, uh, we had a T spot, uh, uh, over there. Oh yeah, at Spider House for a little while. So they, they were not, they were not unfamiliar to the tea parties. So that was awesome, no. wonderful, magical little place. Met a lot of really awesome people there. Super awesome. <laughs> was it a uh, like a were you one of the vendors, like a, one of the food vendors there? Oh, we worked. I worked with uh, I worked with a, 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 a ladder. Ended up being a partner later on, but I worked with the person that was running the tea room there. Super oh, cool. awesome. Cool. Yeah. 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 Little like 200 square foot room. Like, so, you know, if you're going to have tea there, someone would sit right here, like right next. To <laughs> it was tiny. So, like, it was really cool. Yeah. It was super tiny. Like it was, it was what it called for and it was perfect. I love mm. it. Yeah. The place is special. <laughs> uh, it but yeah. Venues like, okay. Renegade that, that kind of like, I, I want to throw in a little something on that one, like Renegades. I think, uh, um, you know, a lot of popular starting stuff, you got to kind of make what, make what you're going to make for yourself uh, nowadays. I, I say nowadays, like, nowadays, you got to do this. I have no clue what it used to be like exactly or what it's going to be like. But yeah, nowadays, you kind of got to make 
for your own, you know, unless you just buy out some other company and which then you're just not really making for your own. You're just investing or whatever that ends up being, you know, you're changing something else. So like with the idea of like renegade stuff, which is really exciting because of like what, you know, rave renegades were for me at the time, you know, long time ago, long, long time ago. <laughs> Tell you about it later, kids. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I think really everything, anything and everything right now would fall under the category of, of renegade because what is, what is regulation? What is any of that? Like you literally have to be small to be open right now. So while that like, you know, in Austin, we're seeing a whole lot of closing, I'm sure everywhere all over the U S but definitely in Austin when a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, the musician and, and entertainment industry is what fueled uh, the popularity of, of Austin and such South by Southwest and, and all of that, like, uh, um, derp, derp. lost my train of thought there a little bit. Uh, but well, yeah, just, I mean, yeah, renegades, I, gonna, I mean, everything is going to be renegade. Yeah. I mean, that's everything. why we called this podcast pirate utopias, you know, it's like, I don't know. Are, are, are you familiar with the, with the term, Chris, have you heard what the pirate utopia refers to? Not exactly. Other than watching y'all's other podcasts. I mean, yeah. you know, so you're listening to pirate utopia. I got I got it That's from reading I, yeah. this. What you got? What book. you got? Yeah, pirates. Well, we're really into pirates and sailing. And uh, no, uh, um, the the pirate. Uh, I got it from this book called the the temporary autonomous zone, which I think you know it's it's all about this. It's kind of how like you know when you're just sitting around with people and anyone who's been to a burn especially understands this. It's like there's no rules. There's no governance. There's just people dealing with stuff. If you got a problem with someone, you deal with it. You don't need to call a judge to come over here and adjudicate. You're like, Hey man, don't call me that. Or, Hey man, give me, you owe me five bucks or whatever. You know, you just figure it out. And, uh, in that beginning part of that book, he, he lays out that historically, uh, you know, we think of pirates, you know, has this, you're going to walk the plank. And if you don't do it in the, in the captain of the pirate ship is this like dictatorial authoritarian asshole who just commands with iron grip. And it turns out that pirate ships were actually uh, relatively free and open. Anyone could work. It didn't matter. Like they would take in former slaves. They would take in like native people. They would take in women. In fact, there were, uh, there's a huge like tradition of women captains in pirates, in pirate ships. And they were very egalitarian. Yes. People would vote. <laughs> like the captain didn't just like own everything. They voted for the captain. And if they didn't like the captain, they would vote him out vote them out and no one ever walked the plank that was like totally <laughs> made up and so it's just this weird i'm sure there were the issues with it but like compared to working for the royal navy you know on the other hand that was like slave labor like it's you know you have some fancy rich british boy at the top who's never worked you know sweat a day in his life maybe you know just cracking the whip telling you to work harder row harder to untie the mast do this do that and then you get paid nothing it's like you know, compared those two together. And so I thought of it as a good analogy. It's like, you know, for us, we're all creatives and we're all trying to keep this world afloat and, and make a difference in whatever way we can, whether that's through our business, whether that's through our art or just our dealings with other people, you know, putting on events, creating 
creating spaces to educate and to facilitate more connection. I think that's what we're all doing. And it's like, can we figure out a way to do this that works for us and not for the man, you know, that works where, where we all profit and we can all be sustainable. I think that like, ultimately that's my goal. I want to be myself as sustainable artist, And I want to do that through helping other artists and creative people being sustainable themselves, like being able to make a living and survive and keep doing what they do. And not only that thrive, you know, so yeah, renegade all, all up in this bitch. <laughs> Heck yeah. yeah. New way of thinking. It's a new day. It's a new world. Let's make it right. <laughs> Let's do it. Finally, it's the time. I mean, like, when was the best time to plant a tree, right? Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> now it's time. 10 years yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When's the second best time? Right now. <laughs> right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. No, totally. So, yeah, no, it's been really good uh, getting you on here, Chris. And I, I, I think, you know, I think you, uh, we, we were talking, we can talk some more about this, but I think there may be some more having you on as a regular, a regular guy coming on here pretty soon depending on how we how we work it out but uh yeah it's been really enlightening be and i we've barely scratched the surface of of uh chris caballero you know there's a lot of stuff in there and i think uh having your your voice along for the ride will be really helpful as we navigate these uncharted waters <laughs> so to speak yar <laughs> yar yeah, Chris, seriously, pleasure to meet you. And the thing about Pirate Utopia is, uh, honestly, you should definitely come back aboard the ship anytime you want to promote something or just want to chip in or have a question or just want to come and kick it. Or if you want to put somebody on blast on <laughs> live on YouTube. You heard it here first. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Let's put ourselves on blast all yeah. the time. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Caballero, this these three these three podcasters disrupted this forty billion dollar industry. <laughs> we should we should take Perfect. out ads like that. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I mean, yeah, for sure. You know, just to add to all of you know you know the original content topic of I think where all of it started. You know. Uh, all the listeners out there and myself i'm seeing myself in and you know in the screen here and i'm seeing y'all here always remember always remember that your investment uh you know your money and your capital and your resource that's your investment if you want to see your friends thrive then work with your friends if you want to see uh you know uh, other things thrive then do that put you know put toward it you know support your friends click the subscribe wherever it is right but it costs nothing to subscribe. You know, talk. it's free. You can subscribe for free. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Thank you. Well, thanks again, guys, for sure. Yo, Absolutely. mad love, mad respect, Chris. Thank you for coming on the show. All right. We love y'all.